1: Buckeye Talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome
0: back to Buckeye Talk. Nathan Baird has opted out of this podcast. Nathan, is that correct? Have you opted out? I'm here. Oh, you're here. I'm still,
1: I'm still part of the program. Even if I opt out, I'm still part of the program, right?
0: You are still part of the program. You have the option, though. If you opt out, you can come back to next year's
1: podcast. Do I have a red shirt year? Do I have a red shirt pod?
0: Although, you know, well,
1: you do I'm not have wearing a red shirt. This is a green shirt. This is a green shirt pod.
0: Your spot will be maintained for next year. We just might not be able to pay you a year from now. So, but you can come talk for free. Hey, it's, it's book. I talked we're not, we're not making fun of opt outs. We're acknowledging the fact that the opt outs are coming fast and furious. And we are recording this at two o'clock on Friday afternoon. And by the time we get done, there may be another rash of opt outs. Bunch of North Carolina guys opted out today. Five Maryland guys opted out today. Another Michigan State guy opted out today. Syracuse, the players decided not to practice on the first day of practice today because they're worried about the protocols in the rest of the ACC. There's a lot happening with this, and there's something happening with Ohio State with this. So that's what we're going to talk about on this podcast. Ohio State has two practices in. They practice Thursday morning and Friday morning. Ohio State players sent out a letter that's important today And since we recorded on Thursday, Rondale Moore at Purdue has opted out. So we did a Wednesday podcast that included a Purdue preview, and Purdue's best player just left. So, Nathan, I think the opt-outs are the most – that's the on-field stuff. So there's there's been so much off-field stuff. When we have things that affect on the field, I just like to start there because some of this theoretical stuff, I think people are tired of. So we'll get to the Ohio State letter. But let's start with some text responses from our tech subscribers. When you sent out the news about Rondale Moore on Thursday night, from the 843, assuming everything continues as planned, was Ohio State just gifted with an ACC Clemson schedule? And Nathan, when you wrote about this, it's not just Rondale Moore. It's Rondale Moore added to what else has happened in the Big Ten.
1: Yeah, it's Rondo Moore on top of Rashad Bateman, on top of Micah Parsons, on top of what we didn't know at the time I wrote that, which was five, six Maryland players, including their potential presumptive starting quarterback. I mean, if they if the uh, Tagovailoa uh, younger brother doesn't get granted eligibility at Maryland, I think you might be number two on the two deep at quarterback. Um, which is a disaster um, for them. I think they may have like a true freshman or retro freshman as their only scholarship guy available at that point. So, I, I mean, it's just all over the Big Ten. We started to see really outside of Columbus, outside of Ohio State, the, the the star power in the Big Ten, it hasn't like depleted completely, but it's definitely taken a hit. I mean, these are the, the, the other best players in the Big Ten. I mean, I would have argued Micah Parsons. I mean, we I don't have to argue it. I mean, it was consensus of the 34 media people who voted in our poll, and these aren't fly-by-night, men and women that do this the consensus of them was Micah Parsons unanimous Big Ten player of the year preseason for defense and in Rondo Moore number two Rashad Bateman number three behind Justin Fields as offensive player of the year so three of the top five players in the Big Ten are now not playing football this year it, it definitely uh changes the complexion of what this season's going to be
0: and it does change and then we have more texture questions along these lines but I don't know that anybody listening to this podcast was particularly worried about Ohio State's path to the playoff previously, but Penn State was the number one challenger. They just lost their best player. Purdue is the voodoo upset team that was just added. They just lost their best player. Minnesota is kind of lurking in the West. Boy, Ohio State has Wisconsin's number, but Minnesota with that passing game, maybe a more athletic team in some ways than Wisconsin. If Ohio State wound up playing Minnesota – in the Big 10 championship game. Maybe that would be an interesting challenge. They just lost their best player. Not that Ohio State needed it, and not that I would have pre- predicted anything other than 10 and 0 based off the schedule that was released this week. But man, I mean is I how would anybody on the schedule even I mean Michigan State has lost a start is it two starting offensive linemen or one on defense and one on offense they've lost two starters to opt out it's just uh, it an easy path is significantly I think I mean is it fair to say significantly easier for Ohio
1: State with these players out it's not just that these teams are losing their best players that would be bad enough but I mean in, in Micah Parsons and Rondo Moore you're losing. Special players. You losing the kind of players who we would then, at the end of a game, if those teams upset Ohio State, look back and say those were the guys who made the difference. Or five years from now, we look back and say, well, the reason Purdue was able to upset Ohio State twice in three years was because they had this electric special player in Rondell Moore, and they found a way to use him. I mean, I, I mean, I obviously I covered him. Um, up close for that one season. But, I mean, Ohio State players saw it, that, or Ohio State fans saw it that day. Like, that's a different kind of guy. They know Micah Parsons was a different kind of guy, too, because Ohio State recruited him and, and was in, involved in that process, and they knew what he was going to be coming into college, I think. So, I mean, that's the thing. It's not just – it's not just that good players are leaving Ohio State schedule. It's a, it's the kind of players who would have potentially facilitated those upsets. I think you're right. I think it it makes – we were talking earlier this week right about the percentage chance of Ohio State not going 10 and 0 at this point it's gotten exponentially much closer to 100 percent now that they'll go 10 and 0 if they're able to play all 10 of these games
0: so that leads in that leads into another question that we're obviously going to get to and it ties into the letter I think in some degree from the 941 I'm a big Buckeye fan but also a realist and I expect some Buckeyes may also opt out going forward. Related to this from the nine three seven, it seems like good players on non-contending teams are opting out. I can easily see good players opting out mid-season after a loss or their team having a lot of positive tests. This season is going to be the wild, wild west if it's played. So those two things are related. That's what I thought from the start, that great players on good teams, they're the most obvious candidates. Whatever Rondale Moore did, Rondale Moore was not going to drag Purdue to the national championship, and I think we've already talked about this. But it, obviously, it makes sense for Ohio State fans to wonder about, could Ohio State players do this? But the thing that I've said, no Clemson players yet, no Bama players yet, no Oklahoma players yet, no Georgia players yet. And I think I'm repeating myself. Nathan, as this continues to happen, again, it's, it's almost everybody the next tier. Penn State, North Carolina, Maryland, Michigan State. I don't know. You can. It's one of the things. Sometimes fans like to think their team is special, their program is special. That would never happen to us. There was a lot of that when Denzel Ward opted out of the bowl. I would never say this could never happen to Ohio State. I wouldn't bet that an Ohio State player doesn't opt out. It certainly could happen. But I do see the difference. I do see the difference in the level of program and why that's a difference. Do you see that, or do you just think this is a personal decision and it could happen to anybody?
1: I think it is a little bit tougher when you have so much to play for when you're the number two team in the country, when you're coming off of a playoff and you're expected to be a national championship contender, you're expected to be far and away the big 10 favorite. I think that does put a little bit more pressure on you, especially when you're one of the best players on that team to come for to come through for your teammates a little bit. Now I, I thought that too, before Micah Parsons opted out of the season too, I would have thought that would have applied at Penn state too. Cause I think they're in position to potentially have a, a really special season. So maybe I'm wrong about that. maybe, and that is going to be case by case. Um, I don't think it's impossible that it could have happened at Ohio State. And I guess I don't think it's impossible that it still could happen at Ohio State as guys assess the situation on a day-to-day basis in their own health, their family's health, whatever the situation is. I will say that all of these other opt-outs, you know, Ronda Moore happening on Thursday early evening, essentially, um, the, the the ones happening at Maryland today these are happening before practice starts and i thought that was maybe the time when you know if, if i was a coach i would say hey i understand if you guys are thinking about this i i will even welcome it I'll, I'll i'll help you through it but can we make these decisions before practice starts i think that that message may have been out there at ohio state too i don't know but that's how i would have tried to communicate it as a coach i think that's why a lot of these decisions have come in to this point i don't know how many times Now that practices have started, unless things are haywire, and again, we'll get to the letter in a second, but Ohio State players are saying across the board that that's not the case at Ohio State. They feel very comfortable in the the protocols and the the procedures at Ohio State in terms of the COVID-19 situation. Unless that's happening somewhere and guys see it and get uncomfortable and leave, I I feel relatively safe right now saying it's pretty unlikely, I think, that it happens at Ohio State this season.
0: Right. It would feel like if you don't, Opt out before practice starts, then probably something would have to change that yeah. would lead to your opt out because why would you yeah. just change your mind when the circumstances haven't changed and well, again, right Ohio State has two practices in, and our understanding I mean we, we, you know we know this to be true. practices are closed, but you just you, you learn things. Justin Field is out there, Sean Wade is out there, Wyatt Davis is out there. Tyreek Smith is out there, Zach Harrison is out there. Josh Myers is out there. if you want to run through the best players on this Ohio state team, Baron Browning is out there. Pete Werner is out there. Like there, there's not, there's not uncertainty here. You know, these guys, yeah. their best guys, all their guys. I mean, their guys have decided we're going to start practice. And I think the point that you're making, this is not coincidental. I think there's some talk about when maybe is it, would there be some kind of deadline? Because the NCAA has said, if you opt out, you'll, you'll still be able to keep your, you know, keep your spot for the following year. The the NFL had a deadline. The NFL's deadline has passed. And interestingly, on the last day, on Thursday for the NFL, Malcolm Pridgen, who's with the Browns, former Ohio State offensive lineman, a starter two years ago, he opted out. I do think – I mean, you can't – a player can opt out at any time. You can't make somebody play. But opting out with the guarantees applied, right, with the NFL money guarantees that were applied to that – if there are guarantees or promises about scholarships or about spots on the roster, you can put a deadline on that, right? That if you don't do you it by this date, it. you're not, I mean, the NFL did it. And again, we we're, we'll, we'll but get into that. It's, in a, it's a very
1: different relationship, a very different team player relationship between the NFL. No,
0: I know, but the NFL, the NFL the player team relationship is much more equal and they still
1: had a deadline. In well, but you're football, also, they tell you. But it's also a contractual, like, payment for services rendered kind of thing and the ncaa has distanced itself from that relationship for obvious reasons at the college level so i'm not sure i i I agree i mean maybe they could put some sort of deadline on it but i think it would be much farther down the line it would be like eve of the season or something like that but
0: but there's no i mean there's not so you think are you saying that okay
1: go ahead just in this era again in, in an era where where people do have concerns about, you know, the exploitation of athletes or the 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 NCAA and the member organizations having too much um, power over whether these athletes have, have this kind of control over their own lives, um, I, I think the I think the they would err on the side of being more lenient. But
0: nobody could force them to do it. That's the whole point. There's no agreement. I mean, I guess if PR pressure did it. But if you have a bunch of guys, if a hundred guys opt out two weeks into the season, and you still play the season, I don't know that all hundred spots for those guys are going to be guaranteed, right? I mean, teams have to yeah. be able to plan, you know. So, um, so, I, but I do, th- I do think to your main point on this: if you're an Ohio State fan and you're saying I'm prepared for Ohio State guys to opt out, this is an important deadline. There are two practices in, and nobody has opted out yet. So. If the facts on the ground change for Ohio State, then certainly anything could happen. But if things continue as they are, which is basically the players believing in Ohio State safety protocols and the players believing that Ohio State has a chance to win the national championship, then I don't know why the opt-out decision would be like, oh, I suddenly changed my mind. Well, none of the facts changed. You just decided late. This is a – I mean, it's not a deadline, but it's a – something changed now practice it's like started it's a new yeah. world it's, it's it's a good word it's a good you're good with the words and the talking and the writing and the making of the words i'm not,
1: i'm good with the words and the writing sometimes not so much the talking
0: sometimes on the talking
1: i it's mean a, you and i both
0: progress. do it as we discuss that but sometimes you and i yeah we go through and it's like I, and you and I both do it. And it's like, all right, get the words out. Um we
1: we we're, we're, we're going without a net here, you know what I mean? Like we we're just throwing it at each other as we go. So sometimes you you'll want to let your brain catch up to your mouth.
0: So letting our brains <laughs> our mouths are writing checks that our brains can't cash, buckeye talk. So we, if we think that they the three best and I think we agree on this, the three best non-buckeyes in the Big 10 are gone. I just did a, Quick, quick little comparison. Trying to figure out who were the three best non-Buckeyes of the last couple years, and thinking about it would losing Parsons, Bateman, and more is like if you lost. I would say in 2019, the three best non-Buckeyes were Jonathan Taylor. And imagine if that if Wisconsin didn't have Jonathan Taylor. Not as surprising. Michael Parsons was also one of the three best non-Buckeyes last year, which is why losing him this year is such a big deal. And then somebody from Minnesota, probably either Antoine Winfield or Tyler Johnson, right? So those are big losses. Both those guys helped make Minnesota go, and Minnesota finished in the top 10. That really would have hurt Minnesota. 2018, who were the top guys? Jonathan Taylor again. You know who's one of the three best non-Buckeyes in 2018? Rondale Moore.
1: Rondale Moore. And you would have said him going into 2019, too. It was only after yeah. he got hurt that he kind of fell out of, of, of thought in 2019.
0: And then the other two guys, which is part of why Purdue went 4-8 last year because they didn't have a guy who was one of the three best non-Buckeyes in the league. And then probably either T.J. Hawkinson, the Iowa tight end, who went in the top ten of the draft, or Devin Bush, the Michigan Mm -hmm. linebacker. 2017, you're talking about losing Saquon Barkley, right? Imagine if Penn State lost Saquon Barkley. Josh Jackson, the Iowa corner, also probably in there. 2016, you're talking about Saquon Barkley again. You're talking about Jabril Peppers, right? Imagine everything Jabril Peppers did for Michigan. So that's the kind of thing you're talking about, actually, though, when I was looking through trying to find the three best non-Buckeyes in a given Big Ten year. Sometimes by the time you got to the third guy, it was kind of like, well, actually, that guy's kind of replaceable. But so what I ended up coming back around on is these three losses are so big. Rondale Moore was one of the best players in the Big Ten as a freshman. Micah Parsons was one of the best players in the Big Ten as a sophomore. And now they both left before their junior years. So Rondale Moore and Micah Parsons were awesome in their time in the Big Ten. And Rondale Moore, especially brief, because he only played four games last year. Micah Parsons just came into his own last year. It is, I mean, it's understandable, but man, it really is disappointing. Because, like, these guys are going to be remembered by their fan bases on – two years of play or a year and a third of playing. Yep. And I will 17 say games
1: for Rondell more
0: 17 college games. And you were he- saying this and you know, people, I mean, it's sad. Like you feel bad for Purdue people.
1: I, you know, I have, I have living there for as long as I did. I, I, built friendships with people there. And yeah, I mean, I think you, Purdue is just kind of snake bit in a lot of ways. Um, they, they kind of can't have nice things. It seems like there, there's some, they just had a lot of bad luck in this realm over the years. And this is just another example of it. I mean, you know, there's been one consensus freshman all American in the history of big 10 football ever. And that was him two years ago. And they, they only got 17, four more games out of him over the next rest of his career. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, for Ohio State fans, I would just ask you. I mean, the the, the thought was already out there, right? When we were t- when we've talked about whether or not there's going to be a season this year, Ohio State fans have already thought about what if we only got to see Justin Fields for that one year? What if we didn't get the full two years at least that they want to get out of Justin Fields? What if they only get um, the the sophomore version of Chris Olave and not the junior version? What if you you know? this and that you miss a whole year of, of Zach Harrison before next year. He has maybe an awesome year and goes off the NFL. Like you can go on down the list. Like there's special players on this, whatever, whoever your favorite Buckeye is on this current team, just imagine getting only 17 games of him or an entire season taken away from him. And that's how Micah Parsons, that's how Penn state fans feel. It's how Purdue fans feel right now, even if they support the decision. And I think a lot of them do. A lot of people I talk to are like, well, I think that was the common sense decision to make. I don't blame him at all for, for opting out and moving on. Uh, but you still, as, as a fan for your team, you're like, man, but what could have been, what, what could have happened there? You can still feel sad about
0: things sure. that you agree with. Absolutely. This is like, for instance, how my wife felt after she married me, you know, like she didn't, she didn't wish she didn't do it, but she was like, I'll married to this guy. Um, I might so, be
1: going through some of that already. <laughs> yeah.
0: And yeah. Good luck, Mr. Married for 10 days. The, uh. The one thing, I mean, Ohio State fans felt this somewhat and to a pretty decent extent with Nick Bosa in 2018.
1: Yeah, it's a great
0: example. Nick Bosa, as a freshman in 2016, is part of a four man rotation. And you could sort of feel it's like, okay, we know Sam Hubbard and Taekwondo Lewis and Jalen Holmes are really good. But man, if we were only going by the best guy, Nick Bosa would have played a little more in 2016. It was sort of like we have four good guys. He's only a freshman, you can't give him all the snaps. 2017, like he's the man, he's great. And then you get, you get two and a half games in 2018 and he's gone. And even in 2017, he gets booted in the middle of the game. You lose that ruins your season. So like they really missed out on Nick Bosa. And so that's what teams are feeling right now. And I will say this, Nathan, and you covered college basketball for a long time as your primary beat before this. I say this as uh, from a fan perspective, but I'm feeling it a little bit and I, it, again, it's not that I don't think it should be allowed, or I don't know what the best rules are. If we ever did get to a point where college football players could leave at any time in their career like college basketball players can, that you don't have to be three years removed from high school to enter the NFL draft, this is what it's going to be like, and I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like only a year and a half of Rondale Moore. I don't like only two years of Micah Parsons. I would not have liked one year of Chase Young. That would have left me wanting. I mean, how do you get over that? And I know, I know what happens in basketball, and I guess it's not different, except that we're used to it in basketball. But man, it feels like a lot of the basketball guys that leave, at least a good chunk of them, have like an awesome year and then go, right? right? That they are the best. Man, Chase Young...
1: Go ahead. One time I really experienced it when covering Purdue basketball was Caleb Swanigan. He was only there two years. But his second year, he was the Big Ten Player of the Year. He was amazing. And then he left and went off to the NBA. And that, that was kind of the – people were a little bit surprised he was even there for a second year. They thought he was maybe on a one-and-done track. And having covered a program that – I mean, Purdue is consistently one of the best basketball programs in the Big Ten. They win Big Ten championships every couple of years. Matt Painter is considered a really good coach. But you know what? Purdue fans wish they had – one and dones every once in a while. Cause you know what those guys a lot of times end up doing would they go one and done after they go to like the final four or win a national championship. Like that's what they don't have in that program. And I think, so it's a fine line because I think you need – we're talking – we're starting to get a little bit mixed between football and basketball here because football is a different creature. I understand well, what you're point. saying. that's the point. We're
0: talking a lot about Purdue basketball, so hurry that part well, up. No,
1: but, I, but what I'm saying is it, it's – I wonder if it would be different in football too because I feel, especially a place like Ohio State. Like, yeah, okay, uh, Chase Young leaves after his freshman year. Um, they obviously would have missed him the past two years, but they also – you're always constantly bringing in the next five-star. Pretty much No, I know, position but, but here's team.
0: where that's wrong. You're bringing in the next five-star who's also going to leave after a year. You get a year if you're, of t-
1: if you're constantly bringing them in, I but don't they, know. What but, the they never, but here's the thing. I guess they never developed to here's that. Here's why I'm bringing thing. it up
0: because this is not a basketball podcast. Here's why I'm bringing it up. Freshmen don't lead great teams to national titles in football. In basketball, it happens all the time. Zion Williamson was Duke's best player right away, and the two other best players were other freshmen with him. I don't. If you had a world where college football players could leave after a year, would that mean that Chase Young was now your best player right away?
1: Well, okay, but I guess I would also say that if, if the NFL thought, college, if the NFL wanted college freshmen to be available for the draft, don't you think they would be? But I'm saying, but what if we get to that world? I don't. I'm, I'm. I guess I'm skeptical that that world unfolds. I think they, they want guys to be in college and, and mature physically and, and every in every other way before they bring them on. It's just a, it's just a different physical. Okay, I don't want to have that basketball. discussion because that's. I know, I know, I know, but I'm just saying. You take I, I guess me in the I'm saying I don't that's really That's not think what I'm saying. It is what you're saying, though. Well, I, I'm just saying I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think we're going to get to a one and done situation in football.
0: I'm saying that this is giving us a taste of what it would feel like because this would happen all the time. And Jeff Okuda and Chase Young and both Bosa brothers and Justin Fields, if those guys, if guys like that could leave, sooner than three years they all would have you never would have seen it I mean so some guys you still would have gotten it like we talked Malik Hooker and Marshawn Lattimore, you would have gotten near three because they didn't do anything in the first two years but these guys Chase Young would have left before he ever peaked because he wouldn't have had to peak to prove his NFL value so this is the first time we have never seen players opt out of a full season before that's my point this is a completely new experience, and I don't like the feeling at all. I feel incredibly disappointed. My excitement about the season is substantially lessened by this, and it doesn't mean that I don't think they shouldn't do it. It doesn't mean I think it's not the right decision for Micah Parsons and Rashad Bateman and Rondale Moore and everybody at North Carolina and the Michigan State guys and the Maryland guys, but it stinks. It stinks. I'm a little surprised how much I think it stinks. Like I have a knot in my stomach about this. There are times in my life, I hate it. When you have a knot in your stomach and you don't know why, sometimes you're reading a book, you have a weird dream. It's like, why am I upset about something? It doesn't directly affect my life, but it's upsetting me. That's how I feel about this because it feels like a a hole has been blown in the big 10 season. And if this did become normal, and I'm not trying to project whether it does or not, I'm realizing how much it would stink. And it would stink more... I think this feeling is worse than I thought it would be. And of course, it's nothing in a pandemic. It's nothing. But from a competitive balance standpoint, cool, let's play football. Man, I feel really bad about all this.
1: I think I would put it more in the category of what you talked about before, where maybe you'd be sad about it, but you, I would agree with it. I, think if, I don't think it's going to get to that point where, there, where football players are leaving after a true freshman year. But I, I definitely, if it did happen, if Chase Young were able to be drafted to the NFL and go make a living after his first year, and that felt like the secure best decision all around, then more power to him. He should go do that. I don't, I, don't feel, I, I don't feel worse for fans than I feel good for him getting on with his life.
0: Doesn't it stink, though? Can you have some human emotion,
1: you robot?
0: You'll have to look at everything like a pragmatist. I just said like I, just said I,
1: would, be, I just said it would be sad about it. I mean, the same way that I think that I, I'm, I'm just sad as a football fan not to get to see another year of Rondo Moore. I think that was going to be really – watching what he did as a freshman and then to get to but watch him sophomore junior year. But, sad? but I Do you have a knot in your stomach? No, I don't have a knot in my stomach because the next sick. Rondo Moore is coming along, and, and he's probably playing at Ohio State. There's probably three of them. So I'll get to see them for the next couple of years.
0: I feel sick. I really do. I hate this, and I'm not. I, when, when I, I
1: first said, saw when I first saw the the thing, I it, I kind of I guess I would say for Rondo more specifically, I kind of had that. Oh man, just because again, I know what how rare those kind of players come through Purdue, um, but I would still. And if and if I got a, a alert right now that it was happening with Justin Fields, I'd probably kind of feel the same way initially, just because again, I know how much how how unique those players are and what they mean to a team and a community, but it would be the right decision for those players.
0: So here's the thing why I think this is important for Ohio State fans, because there certainly was a time. We know Thad Mata had a run of one-and-done guys. Greg Oden, Mike Conley, Costa Kufis, B.J. Mullins, uh, D'Angelo Russell. We know, we know all the, all the one-and-done guys. But Ohio State is not in the top tier of college basketball, and they never have been doesn't mean they haven't won a national title they're the only they one one ever in 1960 so it's been a long time it doesn't mean they've never made a final four but they're not the, they're not in the top tier that absorbs boy i wish we would have had this guy longer you know the odin and conley that really hurt but they did get to a national championship game so you did sort of get everything out of them that you could because again that sport is more built for it but if this ever did happen in football, Ohio State would be as impacted as, as any team in the country. Ohio State and Alabama, they would be the most impacted teams in the country. And, and again, if it was a rule, maybe it'd be you could leave after two years, or maybe it could be you, would, you could just leave whenever you want. There's no rule about it. It's a free market. But the idea of working this hard to recruit five stars, and then again, five stars in college football don't normally have that immediate kind of impact. And you, they're gone before you ever get to see it, and then you're on to the next five-star who also is gone before you ever get to see it, that would stink. So I'm not saying it shouldn't happen. I'm saying I'm realizing in the moment how much that would stink. And Ohio State fans would feel that in a way that Kentucky fans or other college basketball fans, Kansas, whatever, they're used to that now. Ohio State sports fans aren't used to that. And if they had to get used to it, they wouldn't like it. Let's talk more about Rondale, Moore from the 513. Do you think more... Has shown enough that he can be drafted in the first two rounds of the draft, or could he have greatly improved his stock with more games? If not in the two, first two rounds, that's a big money difference. Here's my initial answer to that KJ Hamler, another small slot receiver in the Big Ten that I really liked, was the number 46 pick in last year's draft, this year's draft. Number 46 pick in this year's draft. Rondale Moore is better than him. And Rondale Moore has shown enough already. He doesn't need another year to show he's better than K.J. Hamler. So, yes, Rondale Moore is going in the first two rounds, and he's maybe going in the first round, in my opinion.
1: I've seen mocks that have him in the first round. Um, one of the Purdue fans I was talking to yesterday um, was kind of on the opposite side of things, saying, oh, I think he's going to drop a couple rounds because he hasn't proven his health. He had the one good year, but he's small, and he hasn't proven his health. I'm like, well, okay – yeah, he's small, but he's also, like, one of the fastest guys that we've seen out there. And number two, now he's got even more time to get healthy, and he's going to have his pro day to prove that. So, yeah, I think he's – if he's not a first-round talent, he's definitely a second-round talent. Like, NFL teams really value the slot the way it is right now, and I think they see him as a guy that you can put there and, and, and really be a playmaker at the next level. This
0: is a good question because, again, I mean, it's a good question that Ohio State fans don't want to think of, um, but it's intriguing. I did We did get a text – it, no, it was a review – We got an Apple Podcast review the other day, and we again we appreciate all the reviews. Um, We've been getting some good ones in. Whenever I ask, and and one or two people respond, it really is nice of you guys to take time to do that. But somebody was like, "I like when you talk about real stuff. When you do sort of like the fake, what if Justin Fields was on another team?' I don't like that as much. You guys should spend more time like talking about Ohio State's opponents and that kind of thing." And I was like, "Well, first of all, it's a pandemic, and nothing's happened, and we're doing five. They're going to have opponents." So I'm not we didn't gonna exactly, know who your opponents are going to be until two days ago, for sure. I'm not going to apologize for doing the what if type of podcast every now and then. And the second thing is we don't know anything about any other team. So I'm not gonna, we're not gonna like you and I aren't gonna talk about Clemson. If we we can have a Clemson beat writer on if we want to. We can call Matt Connolly anytime we want and have him on. But you don't want to hear us talk about other teams. Because if you think we barely know anything about Ohio State, I we know nothing. What could Georgia – I can't name three players on Georgia, so that's why we don't talk about other teams. But I do want to talk about this. From the 614, what would Ohio State be ranked if Justin Fields
1: opted out? I thought that was a fantastic question.
0: So when we look at the preseason poll from the USA Today coaches poll, was this out before the Thursday podcast, or was this new too? I don't know if we talked about it.
1: We haven't – I don't think talked about it yet.
0: Ohio State's two. They got 17 of the 60 – 65 first place votes. They got 17 of the 65. Clemson got 38. So the top five: Clemson, Ohio State, Alabama, Georgia, LSU, Oklahoma, and then Penn State is seventh. And Penn State already lost their best player. I mean, it, it. And you have to think of this. To me, are we would we be in a world where Justin Fields would opt out, but Trevor Lawrence wouldn't? So that's the thing. It's the context. I mean, even let's say that that would be the case. I still don't know. Yes, and we talked about this before. I thought. You know, could they get a game manager quarterback in there with Gunnar Hoke or something and try to do it? So they still would be ahead of Penn State because even Justin Fields gone. Penn State's lost Michael Parsons. Both teams lost their best player. Quarterback's more important than linebacker, but Ohio State was substantially better than Penn State already. I would still have them higher than Penn State. So they're no lower than seventh. And then, like, I don't know, LSU's quarterback, he's new. I mean, I guess I I think maybe they could be behind – Clemson, Bama, Georgia, and, and Oklahoma?
1: I think LSU like would be ahead of them fifth? too, especially in that poll because there's coaches who clearly vote for LSU no, the, first don't... regardless. But, you know, I, think that, I, think, I was thinking like sixth, seventh, something like that maybe. I mean, last year, what were they going into last year? Like fifth? Weren't they fifth yeah. to start the year last year? And that was with Chase Young, with Jeff Okuda, and with Justin Fields coming in, although people didn't know he was capital J, capital F, Justin Fields necessarily to the same right. way. So I don't know. That's probably the range I was thinking. Like maybe they'd fall as far as like six or seventh. But I know. But
0: which is this? I mean, which says a lot, right? I mean, Justin Fields. We think Justin Fields is going to win the Heisman. That was a unanimous pick on our Monday podcast. And we think without him, they'd still be in the top six.
1: <laughs> so that tells you, and that's like. Well, that's, that's why I think they would be ranked. Now, do I think they would be that good? I don't know because I was the one who, I think I was the one making the point on a different podcast that if if with no Justin Fields, this team is not a national championship contender
0: i mean it's just one of those things again it's like you get down to it's like okay i don't know do you believe i mean auburn's 11 with bo Nix. notre dame is 10 with ian book oregon's got that new guy kyle trask who i talked about as a heisman candidate he's with florida at eight jack Cohn in wisconsin they're 12 we think Graham. i mean are you sure cj stroud wouldn't be as good as some of those guys right i mean it's one of those they certainly Sam Ellinger in Texas, they're 14th. Michigan, we don't know who's going to win the job. Michigan's 15th. But we know more
1: about C.J. Stroud than the other 60-whatever voters would.
0: Well, that's one of those things. I mean, the question is, where would they be ranked? So that's fair. But I don't like – I mean, I don't want to delve into too much of like, well, what would dumb voters think? Well, I don't know. Dumb voters are dumb. Well, that was the question. (laughs) I know, but dumb voters are dumb. But we're allowed to take the question as like, how good would they actually be, not just only where would dumb voters rank them? Um, from the six, one, four, my guess is it's still mostly just going to be stars on teams that don't have the capacity to really make a national champion push championship, push it off that. Opt out. I agree with that uh, kind of repeating this, but I think it's worth digging in more. It's from Buckeye Fitzy in the natty from the six one four. Oh, it's the natty. I was like, oh, the national championship. No, that means Cincinnati with the losses. Other competitors have experienced that we've talked about and assuming they actually play a season. How do you think this affects the big 10 race? Will it be Ohio State and a bunch of unpredictable crazies behind them? Let me spin it this way. Who's the second-best team in the Big Ten right now? If if, if Is it Wisconsin because they haven't lost anybody big? Is it Michigan now? Is it still Penn State? Because there's I can't remember his name, but there's another up-and-coming linebacker at Penn State that people love, and so he becomes the best player in that linebacker core. That's a position where Penn State's traditionally strong. Could Penn State still be the second-best team in the Big Ten without Micah Parsons? How do I mean, you think the shakes out?
1: I p- might still vote Penn State because I was pretty impressed with their roster already. I thought that that was a game that Ohio State – was going to have a, a, a tough challenge to go on the road and beat them, especially when – certainly if it was a full stadium of fans. But even even, even with no fans, I think that's going to be a good team that would be tough to beat. And I don't know that a linebacker, as good as he is, I, I, sure, it changes the game, but I don't – he doesn't – they often don't dominate a game the way Chase Young would or maybe even the way a Jeff Okuda could and just like take away half of a field or whatever. So uh, I would still maybe vote for Penn State, but obviously they've fallen back a little bit um to that michigan wisconsin tier um at my like if we if we could revote the cleveland.com preseason poll my ballot would look very different right now
0: a couple more specific ohio state questions so well, some from the 704 agreeing with what we said i'd be shocked if someone from ohio state clemson bama georgia or oklahoma opts out as they all feel they can win it From the 419, it's smart of Ryan Day to talk with his team about the opt-out issue. I suspect Ohio State is less susceptible to opt-outs because the players have a possibility to compete for the national championship. If things develop where that opportunity goes away, either because of losses, I guess that means if they lose a game during the season, or the canceling of the national championship, would you expect our obvious NFL draftees to opt out then? And from the 937, not that I'm knocking college kids with pro futures for opting out, but what does it say about Ohio State culture that so far there are no opt-outs? We're going to talk about that, but first we're going to take a break. Thank you for listening to Buckeye Talk. Nathan and I will be back right after this. All right, back on Buckeye Talk. Nathan, the idea – the texters seem to be in agreement. We, you and I both think it that the chance to play for a national title at least factors into this, but this is going to also lead us into the conversation, and we'll talk about the letter that Ohio State players sent on Friday. How much do you think the Ohio State culture – also factors into no opt out so far
1: i don't I, I think it may i think it is a factor but i honestly think that if this team wasn't poised to do what it should couldn't could do this year that i think i think that's actually maybe a bigger factor here Um, a team that has national championship contention. Justin Fields was talking about, he mentioned winning the Heisman Trophy as like a goal for this year. And he knows this is the only chance he has to win the Heisman Trophy is if he plays this season. Because next year he is going to be, he's going to be in the draft next spring, you know, barring some kind of catastrophe. So, I mean, this is his one chance to win a Heisman Trophy. That's why I think he's probably not going anywhere. You know, if, if you know you're already going to the NFL next year, I almost think that, in some ways it can give you more incentive to stay in college unless you're unless you are worried that worried to that extent about the COVID situation. So I don't know that it's I, I I don't really know that I think it's about the culture, the brotherhood, that stuff. I think every team has that to some extent. Um or a lot of them do. It's not that Ohio State is this utopia and every other place is this scattershot falling apart kind of thing. Are you using like a duke's a hazard tumbler or something there? What is that? So we do videos now, so
0: every time we stop and talk on the podcast, because we can see each other now, which we never bothered to do before. We always had the option to see each other; we just didn't want to. But now right. we are doing videos on our YouTube channel. We're up to over uh, four over four thousand views on our Jim Harbaugh Ryan Day discussion from Thursday. That's on our YouTube channel. A five minute clip of that. Um, so that's why we have the videos on now. So we have there are eleven countries. I should have done a trivia question. There are 11 countries in Epcot at Disney World, and we have a glass, a Disney glass for every country. So I am currently drinking out of the Norway Epcot glass. Norway is my uh-huh. favorite country in Epcot, so that's what you saw. It's not Dukes of Hazard. It's not a <laughs> it like flag. It it's like a it. Norway flag. <laughs> but look at it if you like squint, if you look at it. What do you think? What if I went to a NASCAR race with like a giant Norway flag and when I when I beat my horn it played the Norway national anthem that instead of like na 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 it went like ali, man, nah, 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 whatever like a what it was just
1: like it was just like the sound of like blowing through a elk horn. Yeah. Whatever like or like. the Swedish chef.
0: Um <laughs> uh,
1: Anyway, um no, I don't again, I don't know that it's yeah, I don't know that it's about culture as much as it is about a team that sees what's ahead of it and what's possible ahead of it and how much it has to play for. I do think that the the concept of great players wanting to be there for the other great players that they've built friendships and relationships with to help them all get to that point. If you want to call that like culture and brotherhood, I guess I could I get there, but I don't think of it as like a branded thing. I think that's more, again, specific to this group of players making that decision.
0: You know, I, I don't think James Franklin has a bad culture at Penn State. I think James Franklin – Doesn't sound like it. They've, I think they have doing a lot of really good things there, and they've, they've brought a lot back at Penn State after the downtime that we all know about. Michael Parsons just had a very specific situation. And, again, they're not quite as good as Ohio State. Micah Parsons almost came to Ohio State. There was a time when people thought Micah Parsons would have come to Ohio state. If everything else in his life was the same, he's a father that factored into this decision. He's a potential top five, top 10 pick that factored into his decision. Are are you telling me that if he had come to Ohio state, he would still be here that he wouldn't have opted out. I think maybe there's a whatever percent chance stronger that he would have stayed because of the national championship idea. But man, his team was seventh in the country in the preseason, and he opted out. And if Michael Parsons was a Buckeye, you know, like he'd be a Buckeye, but he'd still be the guy he is. I I still think he easily could have opted out because of personal circumstance. So the thing I think about culture is there are lots of good places that have good culture, and there are some places with bad culture. We can all point to the bad culture places, and Ohio State is better than those schools. I mean, I don't know the specifics of what's going on at Washington state and Nick Rolovich, Ohio state's culture is better than that.
1: Or Colorado state. I mean, it
0: is. And Colorado, I mean, it is, that's factual, but there's like 15, 25, 35, like the best programs with the best coaches and the best resources, they're all good. So I don't want to sit here and pretend Ohio state's different, that different or that much better than those programs. But Then the bad ones, yes. But let's lead into the letter because I will say this. Basically, Ohio State's players sent out a letter on Friday that said, our culture is different. We are different than everybody else in the Big Ten, and we want people to know it. Explain, Nathan.
1: Well, I think, and to some extent, and not just the culture, but they were speaking specifically to Ohio State's um, protocols and procedures in response to – Covid nineteen, like they, you know, so the Big Ten earlier this week, people probably saw, and we talked about it. I think you know, sent out this letter under Big Ten United. It was following up on the Pac twelve letter from last week, but also not as quite as extreme of a version of that. It was very much specific to Covid nineteen situations, whereas the Pac twelve was much broader and threatened opt outs and all that stuff. Not the same um, attitude coming from the Big Ten letter. The but but it did. It was a letter that kind of. Um, intimated that there were that the, that the Big Ten protocols were not good enough across the league and Ohio State's athletes have released one today saying we disagree we think at Ohio State we are very comfortable here we feel safe here we think they've done a good job they mentioned uh, Gene Smith by name they mentioned uh, Dr. Borchers by name they talk about their coaches and the, the other health professionals as as being people that they feel have their best interests at heart. and now they don't say how many Student athletes signed this. We know that there were Ohio State players involved with the Big Ten United letter in some way, or at least signed off on it, supported the the, the things that were being talked about there, but we don 't know how many Ohio State athletes went into this letter, but it 's being shared very widely today. them kind of standing up and saying, um, "We feel comfortable here we don 't feel like um, the, 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 we don't we disagree with." We, understand, we We agree with what the Big Ten you United is it. trying to you say. You don't
0: want to read it? I thought you might read some of it.
1: You just want me to read it? Okay. I don't want um, you to read
0: the whole letter, but you're paraphrasing a lot of it. I think some of the writing is very powerful. And to be clear, all the Ohio State captains tweeted this out. Wyatt right. Davis, Tuff Borland, Jonathan Cooper. It was a United front. I did think it was funny. Wyatt Davis tweeted this out, and it was like small print, and it's a letter to Buckeye Nation. And yeah. Justin Fields <laughs> got on Wyatt Davis' Twitter and said, Like, hey, you made me nervous. Actually, I'm yelling at you for not reading it. Justin Fields tweeted, you had me nervous there for a second, crying eyes emoji, because it was like, oh, my gosh, is this This a Wyatt Davis opt-out letter? (laughs) So there's a couple sentences. Do you want to pick out the sentences? You want me to pick out the sentences? I have my
1: glasses on. That's kind of interesting, though, because then doesn't that make you think that Justin Fields didn't have access to that letter and wasn't tweeting it out?
0: Well, I don't know. He might have just been goofing around.
1: Maybe. Um, No, I'll read it. Um, I I will kind of jump around here. But uh, we believe our institution is providing the proper structure and organization for safety. Here at Ohio State, we hashtag set the standard, all one word, for what college athletics should look like amid COVID-19. First, we appreciate that the Big Ten United letter was intended to protect and voice concerns of Big Ten student-athletes. However, we do not think it represents the efforts and actions of Ohio State adequately. While there are still plenty of questions to be answered and plans to be made in order to compete this fall, we believe that our safety has been at the forefront of our institution's efforts for return-to-play models. And then it goes on to talk about their comfort and trust with Gene Smith and other people. And then another thing that it skips ahead to say, and I think this is an important part, because they hear the conversation that's going on. Um, they may not listen to Buckeye Talk, but they hear, they see things on Twitter. They hear what's going on out there. And I thought this was an interesting paragraph. It has been said that college athletes are being, quote, exploited, not only in the stated letter from the Big Team United, but also in the media. We recognize that there are risks, but we have all chosen to be here and want the chance to play this fall. We know that there's still a long way to go as plans continue to change every day, but we have a consistent voice in the discussion. I thought that was interesting to have a group of players come out right now at a time when... You know, when we talked to the players earlier this week, they were kind of stepping up and saying, Well, we want, we're, we're, regardless of what the Pac 12 letter is saying, we agree that everybody should have a voice. And I think the people who support that, and I think I would be in that camp, and you may be in that camp, saying we think athletes should have a more direct voice and be involved in the process. In fact, we've both written that. We've both written opinion pieces about that. We also have to respect when players step up and say, My voice is, I want to play football this fall.
0: I thought it was an interesting letter. I mean, it's one of those yep. things uh, we scoff. I mean, we've been scoffing on this podcast at the idea of like that Ohio State's different. Here's Ohio State's players, their the captains, their players coming out and saying, We're different. We trust it. Now, there's a lot of resources involved in this. And even within the Big Ten, they all get the same Big Ten network money, that kind of thing. But Ohio State still has more money than Indiana and Maryland and Rutgers and other places. So Ohio State should have the best testing and the best protocols. And it seems like they do. And I think we actually did talk about this before that basically, What the big 10, what you want the whole big 10 to be able to do is live up to what Ohio state appears to be doing. So these players are saying that it's funny. Northwestern shut down for a positive test a couple days ago. They're back. And Pat Fitzgerald said on Friday, it was a false positive Northwestern shut down over a false positive over one player. Meanwhile, Illinois had multiple positives and never paused, never shut down. So you, you do want, it's one of those things. Most, I mean, not most. Every te- no team in the Big Ten can live up to Ohio State's on-field standards. It hasn't been close for 20 years. Ohio State's been the best program across the board in the Big Ten for 20 years. So if they can't live up to those standards, it's hard to expect them to live up to the protocols and the safety standards when, when money matters for that, right? Like, I get it. You would like to set parameters to say you have to do at least this, And if the big 10 players are saying, that's not good enough. We want more. Well, Ohio state's there, but, and I know this is more serious. This is life and death and health, but it's like, if, what if, what if you sent a letter that was like, we as big 10 players demand that our teams win 10 games a year. And it's like, well, you're not, I mean, I don't know what to tell you. And then Ohio state came out and said, we as big 10 players would just like to say we already win 10 games a year. So we don't completely agree with the letter demanding to do it because we are doing it. So, I thought it was interesting, and th- again, the main point is players deserve a voice. It just so happens that Ohio State's players use their voice to say
1: we're good. Some Ohio State players. Again, we don't know how many, and I think they there they signed
0: were some, an Ohio State University team, but
1: they said the I Ohio State University student athletes. So again, I there may and there may be two voices on this team, and I think that also is okay. I think it's okay as long as it's as long as people are communicating about it and having a dialogue, and from what Ryan Day told us, and again from what I think the players told us early this week, they welcome those dialogues they want to have those conversations so um I, I was not surprised to see this letter come out or or at least the content of this letter because it's what these players have been saying really since march right this I think feel like they're message has been pretty consistent that they are kind of they trust what's being done as far as the protections and the testing and stuff and they're willing to do what it they have to do to try to play football this fall because football means that much to them that's been a consistent message through this whole process
0: so i'm going to write this for the weekend i think and i've been thinking about it but it's only it's been getting clarified and i want to get to a detroit free press columnist wrote about harbaugh day and it's interesting and it's the other side and it's interesting and they think it takes a shot at people like me potentially, which is great. I'm not super well I wrote a thing with the podcast that went up Friday morning, but I don't it was fine. I wasn't like super like I wasn't like calling Harbaugh a doofus or anything. I actually defended Harbaugh to some extent. All right, he's not aiming at I think me. it was
1: more that you were giving credit to Dave for taking advantage than you were. Yeah. And then kind of waiting for what Harbaugh's response will be.
0: So so it's – but I want to read it. Sean Windsor, I want to read it. So we'll get to that. So hang in for the day, Harbaugh discussion, because, you know, you guys can't get enough of that stuff. What was I going to say? Oh, here's my point. I think it's possible Ohio State should maybe play 12 games against itself. Because at the moment, I don't have a lot of concerns about Ohio State's ability to get through this. I don't know if there's going to be anybody to play. Because all the other teams in the Big Ten, all their best players are opting out. Rutgers had 27 positive tests. Indiana had a player with a very serious medical situation about it. Syracuse just said we can't practice because we don't trust the ACC protocols. As much as we're saying we don't think the top five teams in the country are going to have many opt-outs, man, I just don't – I don't know if there's going to be anybody left because because whether it's safety, whether it's resources that allow you to be as safe as you need to be, whether it's the assurance that's going to keep your best players from bailing, right because you can't play 12 times against yourself so there is a major component of this which is Ohio State for Ohio State they've got to worry about themselves but you also have to be worried at least a little bit about the other nine teams you're supposed to play so you know one thing about this letter that
1: I think might have been a little bit of a misfire because I said it earlier this week um and I wrote it in the text that I sent out about this letter, if I'm a Big Ten, if I'm an Ohio State athlete and I think things are amazing at Ohio State, I still want that criticism out there across the league, whether, kind of whether it's warranted or not, just in case there is some other team that isn't, doesn't have its crap together and needs that scrutiny and needs that oversight to, to get in line and help you have a season. Um, I would want that pressure out there. If I'm Ryan Day, if I'm Gene Smith, if I'm Tough Borland, if I'm a parent, I I want every team out there, even if I think things are pristine at at Ohio State when it comes to to COVID nineteen protections. I want the rest of the league under pressure to rise to that standard. So um, maybe that's what they also feel like they're doing here. Maybe they're saying, hey come look at us. This is what it's supposed to look like. It's kind of an extension of that letter. I don't know. But it's, it's the one thing where I, I would have, if I, if, like I said earlier this week, if I'm Ryan Day and an athlete comes to me and says, hey, I, I want to support this, I would have said, by all means, because I, I want what that letter wants at the end of the day, too, in terms of everybody being healthy.
0: And pride cometh before the fall, right? Just what everybody thinks, like Ohio State's doing it right. Who knows? There's some luck involved in this, right? I 100%. Mean- you know, 100%. They, they could have a bunch of positive tests next week, even if they're trying to do everything right. But to your point, you know, if somebody, if somebody sent a letter out that said, we as podcast listeners are uniting against loud, shrill, annoying podcast hosts. And you sent a letter back, Nathan, that said, I'm not loud and annoying and shrill. And people would be like, well, yeah, but we weren't talking about you, Nathan we're talking about the other people who are loud and annoying and shrill. We get your point, but it, uh, it is interesting. It's like, what exactly does it add to the larger discussion that this was basically Ohio state players backing up their school, which is great, which they have every right to do. But in terms of the larger discussion, and they did say we'd like, you know, follow us or whatever, but I thought it mostly came across as like, Hey, just so you know, the Buckeyes don't necessarily agree with all this stuff, right? That I, I, that the idea is you've got, but it's also self-interest. I mean, if you would have self-interest, it's like, well, you know, maybe Doug will go down because these, these people who are anti-loud, annoying, shrill podcast hosts will succeed and he'll be booted off the podcast. But now you have to produce five podcasts a week. And is that really what you want? So it, it might be in your self-interest to just support, you know, the idea, even if you kind of think I'm loud and shrill. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, and I, I do think though the thing you have to remember here is when the Big Ten when the Big Ten United letter comes out, we can obviously do the math. We know that there's Ohio State players that were involved. Again, I think I said Tim May reported all he right. was told by the organization something like fifty. But I'm saying the uh, that only means that means there's a lot of Ohio State players who necessarily didn't sign on to that. They get to have their say in this process too. Yeah, yeah, they get to kind of put a rebuttal out. I think that's fair.
0: Everybody should have a say. I mean that which is all which is all part of this so but i do th- i mean it's worth noting for us and it's worth noting for our audience that the ohio state players think ohio state's doing a good job from the 615 do you think players opting out could actually hurt their draft stock could other draft eligible players shine during the season and jump other players that have opted out for example chris olave having an outstanding year and jumping rondale Moore. Uh, this is a very common thing that i think people ask about a lot and i always like to respond sometimes you don't want more film sometimes sure. you give them just enough to tease them about how good you are and how good you could be because more film doesn't always mean more better film. And I always use the example of James Loronidas. James Lauren was a great player his whole time at Ohio state. He stayed four years. And by the time they were done with him, they had seen so much film on him. They nitpicked him into the second round. And if he would have gone out after his junior year, it would have been a first round pick. And he should have been a first round pick because he was a 10 year starter in the NFL. So it's one of those things. It's like, listen, we saw, Ooh, baby. Did we see some flashes of Rondale Moore? But if you're assuming that the only answer this year was, Oh my God, Rondale Moore on fire. They have no idea who his quarterback's going to be. If he had a couple games where he had some dropsies, whatever, it's like, you know, Chris Olave. Yes. Could that happen? Chris Olave is awesome. Helped in part by the fact that he has an NFL offensive line blocking for an NFL quarterback and an offense run by an NFL coach. Yeah, Chris Olave could have an awesome year and pass Rondale Moore. I don't think it's automatic that Rondale Moore would have been automatically helped and would have gone higher by playing. Same with Micah Parsons. They've shown who they are, and maybe they just left enough of a tease to help them instead of hurt them.
1: Well, we've also talked about how easy this Ohio State schedule is or how it's gotten easier, too. So, again, it's, it's your production in college is often relative to the competition. Um, to some extent, so that that factors in here too. I just I think I think at the end of the day that yeah, it, the film matters, but I, the, these evaluations are still going to happen for all these players that are opting out too. The one I would say is I'm a little surprised maybe there haven't been more running backs opt out because that's the the one position where I feel like tread on the tires and the and the the the, the, um, the workload can sometimes work against you as you're being evaluated as an NFL prospect. And we haven't really seen many players at those positions so far uh, skipping out. And that that's the one position where maybe I thought that we would see some or more, some more than we have.
0: All right. Couple more questions. Then we're going to get to a little more of the Harbaugh day stuff from the six one four. We've been watching better call Saul as part of our COVID bunker down playlist. And for some reason, Jimmy has reminded me of Doug, but today's podcast really solidified it for me. So Jimmy, Uh, is Bob Odenkirk. He's like a, a slick talking, uh, kind of moderately corrupt lawyer. So thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Like I'm not, I mean, I know who I am. I get it. I could, I could be a, a, a slick talking, moderately corrupt lawyer. Um, let's see random question. This is, this gets to the point that I, what makes my gut hurt from the 619. Random question about players opting out. In your opinion, with guys like Rondale Moore and Micah Parsons opting out, if those guys still go really high in the draft, do you think this might make juniors and third-year sophomores consider sitting out in the future? I mean, Parsons could be a top-10 pick only playing two seasons. Moore probably won't be as highly drafted, but could still be a mid-early-round draft pick when only really playing his freshman season. Do you think we might see this develop into a trend going forward? So that even argues against the point of whether the rules change or not, Would they start sitting out just to train on the side, train on their own? You know, we've seen that. We've seen that with some of, like, LaMelo Ball, like didn't play college ball, played overseas or whatever he did or went to – I don't know what, but he's going straight in the draft. James Wiseman was ruled ineligible at Memphis. He's going into the draft. We're seeing it in the NBA where they're not requiring you to play in college. You can train on the side and try to do that or go somewhere else. That's no rule change. That's no rule change. If Micah Parsons goes in the top ten – Will Zach Harrison see that and say, what am I doing? What's the point of this?
1: I think it's more likely that players would do that than there would be a change to let players leave after their true freshman year. It's, and so I, it's, again, I, I don't necessarily, again, for some players that might be the right decision.
0: And it goes back to a little bit, and we don't, we don't try to repeat ourselves constantly on this podcast. It just happens naturally. We don't have to try. In you the do end, five a
1: week, you tend to repeat yeah. yourself at some point.
0: In the end, honestly, and, I, and I'm, not, I'm asking the question, in the end, when it comes to any individual player's overall health as a human and their health as it affects their draft stock, is a COVID-19 season really any more risky than any season? Because As it
1: affects their draft stock? Every, no. Everything.
0: Everything. I mean, because the yeah, idea no. of what are they opting out of? Are they opting out because they're worried they're going to get COVID-19? Yes, we have examples of young people who get sick, who have long-term ramifications, that young people have died. Um, but it is, most of that is anecdotal. You look at it statistically, and, and I'm not downplaying it at all. Because if it happens to you, you don't care what the stats are. But obviously, the, it, you are a much greater risk if you have an underlying condition or if you're over the age of 65 or 75 or 80. CTE tearing your ACL, ripping your shoulder out of joint. I mean, just accumulative concussions, whether you want to talk about CTE or not at all, there are risks on the line all the time. And so when you really sit back and think about it, if you're trying to minimize risk, both to your health and your draft stock, sitting out does that because playing less does that. We talk about all the hits that running backs take. Would JK, I mean, J.K. Dobbins is probably a bad example because he did kind of have an iffy sophomore year. He probably needed a good junior year to go as high as he did in the draft. But Saquon Barkley wouldn't have needed that. Saquon Barkley was the number two pick. I'm not sure he needed to play three years of college football to be the number two pick. And he added a year of pounding. And we talk about the short shelf life of running backs. If it's really about that, I don't know how much more sense does it make to opt out of a COVID-19 season than it would make to opt out of any season. Is it that much of a difference?
1: No. And I think that's a fair question to ask. And I, the, the cynic in me wonders if some of these decisions aren't being made, you know, COVID gets to be kind of like the cover to skip a season. You would have preferred to just skip anyway, but guys have For never some done of these, but they've some never done cases. it before. They've never well, but they can't, I mean, but they, but, but I mean, they, they can, but I think it looks different if you go out and say, I don't want to play this year. Cause I don't want to get hurt playing football it sounds like you don't want to be a football player but when you say I don't want to play because of the threat of COVID that I think will be gone by this time next year and I'm ready to just start training for the NFL that sounds very different
0: but if Micah Parsons and I, I I'm not I'm not using Micah Parsons as an example for any other reason than he's the most high profile play guy who has opt out he's a father he's a father whether there's COVID or not he risks his NFL draft stock and his shot at being a millionaire by playing in college this year, whether there's COVID or not, to say, I want Denzel Ward opted out of a bowl game. Other players, Christian McCaffrey, uh, people opted out of bowl games. Uh, It's not, I mean, before I would have said, well, it's just a slippery slope to go from a bowl game to a whole season. But to go yeah. from a COVID season to a whole regular season, you're closer to that, right? You're closer. And if there's not a negative effect on the draft stock of Michael Parsons, if he's the fifth pick in the draft, which is where, you know, the best linebackers go, no, no linebackers go, go higher than five, I don't know. I don't know if it would open the door that a Chase Young-type guy would say, there's no reason for me to play a junior year. I'm protecting my family. I'm protecting my health there's a cumulative effect in football. I'm out. I don't know. It's interesting. It makes me, it gives me a knot in my stomach for the love of the game,
1: but it's interesting. I, 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 it would be great to ask and it would probably have to be on background. I don't know if anybody would say it, but if you talk to NFL evaluators and pose that question to them, how much do they want to see guys? Because I think they welcome those players like Denzel Ward getting to the end of a season and they don't have Sorry, but they don't have a championship to play for. I mean, they have a bowl game to play for, but they don't have a, a, a major team goal anymore on the line. I think they're just – they're probably fine with those guys sitting out, being as healthy and training extra as possible and getting ready for the NFL. Now, how do they look at a guy who says, I don't want to play this next year because I'm afraid to get hurt playing football and what that could mean in terms of playing football. Again, playing football, not just the, the COVID situation, but playing football. Do they react negatively to that and and think less of him? Uh, that may be a, obviously a, a evaluator to evaluator difference, but I think that's the question, and that's where I think it's different. I think and what's where I think you can. I, I think some of the, the the reason not to play this year because of COVID may be legitimate in some of these cases. I think they, they have concerns, but I think it's it can also be used as kind of the cloud cover when your uh, when your actual excuse is I just I don't want to jeopardize my well being, or my my livelihood. Right. Quick
0: break. Back with some quick Harbon Day talk. I will say uh, for our tech subscribers, 614 350 3315, couple practices in. We're just, you know, there's just some stuff that you become aware of of how things might be going at practice. It's not stuff that we're really going to talk about on the podcast, at least not yet. But we were comfortable enough to just drop some tidbits to our tech subscribers on Friday. So if you'd like to get a sense of, you know, kind of how we think practice might be going, practices are closed, but again, you know, this is how stuff works. There's stuff that, you know, is, is percolating a little bit. Um, you could figure that out on our tech subscription, 614-350-3315. It's a 14-day free trial, three ninety nine dollars a month after that. YouTube channel, just Google Cleveland.com, Ohio State, and YouTube. Uh, Apple Podcasts, drop a review there. And of course, please keep reading Cleveland.com/slash OSU. We'll be right back with a little more Harbaugh and Day talk after this. All right, back. We'll finish up with Jim Harbaugh and Ryan Day, which we talked about a lot uh on the Thursday pod. And this, of course, is going back to the Dave Biddle report on bucknuts that Ryan Day told Jim Harbaugh to mind his own business, basically, when Harbaugh brought up on a Big Ten call of coaches that Ohio State had a Possibly had an assistant coach coaching on the field with players when he wasn't allowed to. And then Ryan Day got mad and told the Buckeyes, they better have a mercy rule in the Big Ten. We're going to drop 100 on them. That's all from Dave Biddle's reporting. From the 419, listening to the Harbaugh Day scuffle pod, I'll be curious where you guys fall by the end of it. Um, what I mean to say is, do you? so this person is bringing up questions about it. Do you think a part of Urban Meyer cringed when he heard Day say this? Urban, who has a psychology degree, always preached, respect our rival, don't like them, but respect them. Does dropping 100 on them cross that line? Not to mention, if I'm one of Harbaugh's players, I'm thinking, A, our coach went to the guy's face and showed him he's not backing down, did not go to the media, did not go to Twitter. He said it directly to him. B, I don't care who they are. I'm not backing down either. Why give them that motivation? Meaning, why give Michigan that motivation? We don't need it. Respect them stress that they are preparing for us. They're tired of losing to us, thinking of us. We need to do what they are doing times 10. I may be overthinking this, guys, and I know you get so many texts, but I would say a big chunk of mine have dealt with Michigan. I think of this game like holding a piece of glass. Every bit of mindset and preparation has to be done so carefully. That's from the 419, a texter who really respects the rivalry, and I think that's smart. The idea of could this somehow backfire right? That, that this was not smart by Ryan Day. Any credence to that in your mind, Nathan?
1: Well, I think that Ohio State already respects the rivalry and respects Michigan by the way that they prepare for them 365 days a year I think that's where it would be the disrespect is if you were just kind of writing them off and treating them as just another game and they don't do that I mean um, Ryan Day didn't say this if he said this 100 point thing he didn't say it publicly he didn't tweet it he didn't even um, say it to Jim Harbaugh in that you know closed conference call he said it to his own team if, if it happened. So, I, you know, I, stuff gets said all the time that ne- we never hear. And I don't necessarily think that that necessarily means a, a disrespect situation. I think you're just rallying your own team up. I think Michigan already has a lot to answer for in this rivalry right now. I don't know that Ryan Day's comments change that very much. They have to figure out a way to stop giving up 60 points a game and a way to figure out how to start scoring some more against Ohio State.
0: And so I want to read this from uh, a, a columnist in Michigan. Um, before we get out of here, and I'm not going to read the whole column because this guy put time and effort into his column and I'm not just going to read it here. I want you to go read it, the rest of it yourself, uh, on freep.com. That's the Free Press website. Website is from Sean Windsor from the Detroit Free Press. But I, I was wondering sort of how, not that anybody's a homer, but when you're around the team, you just, you relate to them more because you know those coaches, you know those players, you understand that side of the thinking. You know those fans. We know you guys, so we aren't you guys, but we know you guys, and you're our bosses. So we're here to serve you. It doesn't mean we're here to pander to you. I'll tell you what, man. I, the, some sports – are you ever amazed, Nathan, by the way some sports writers pander on Twitter to their audiences? It drives me nuts. I like to think that our yes. audience does not want to be pandered to that we're just like kissing Ohio state's butt every minute. I, I, I don't think that's what our audience wants, but man, when I see other people doing it, it drives me bonkers.
1: Well, for instance, we'll come on here and we'll give you what we think about Michigan. We will try to talk uh, in a realistic way about Michigan and Jim Harbaugh and all those things, but we're not going to go on Twitter and troll Jim, John, Jim Harbaugh and Michigan.
0: Correct. I think that's a good way to do a way to explain the difference. So, Oh, I just don't like it. So anyway, Sean Windsor is writing about this, but he's in Michigan, right? So it's a little bit of a a Michigan perspective, not a Michigan homer perspective, but a Michigan perspective. Okay, this is near the bottom of the column. As for Harbaugh worrying if the Buckeyes were breaking the rules, again, by having the assistant coach possibly on the field before he was supposed to, before practice actually started Thursday, he has every right to do that. He should be irked or worse. College football already is the least democratic sport we have, dominated by the equivalent of robber barons, where a handful of schools scoop up the best players every year, leaving everyone else fighting for crumbs. So no, Harbaugh wasn't being petty. He just wasn't showing much tact and likely didn't care because he thought a rule had been broken and he's tired of playing by them when not everyone else always does. Yes, it's fun when Day essentially gives Harbaugh the middle finger in response then doubles down with his team later about how the Wolverines will get theirs when the teams meet up again. It's a chunk of red meat, good for analysts and fans and cough-cough columnists. As in, did you see what Harbaugh did? When will he learn? At some point, the UM coach would help himself by beating Ohio State. He's 0 for 5 so far. Then again, the programs are separated by a a chasm. Is it chasm or chasm? Nathan, is it chasm? I
1: believe it's chasm. I have always pronounced it as chasm, and I was an English major. Take that for what it's worth.
0: I'm going to say gulf. Are separated by a gulf of talent and expectation, and dare I say, resignation. So, um, in the end, it's hard to blame him for saying so, even if that meant ticking off his tormentor yet again. So, this is a columnist who's saying Harbaugh did the right thing by bringing it up, and you know what? If a guy breaks breaks the rules, you should confront him that way, which is part of the point that I made. But again. You know, there's, a, there's multiple layers to this. What do you think of that general angle? Like, listen, man, Harbaugh should be
1: calling this stuff out. Well, I disagree with the the robber baron characterization a little bit, but much of the rest of that I agree with. And I think we said as much the other day when we brought this up that if if Ohio State did something wrong, Jim Harbaugh has every right to bring it up or report it to someone or do whatever. I think I don't think anybody I don't hold that against him for for certainly. And I I definitely agree with the part where it wasn't it, that this was and I think it was the first thing we said when we brought this up that it's a very Jim Harbaugh like lack of tact. It's not I think we've seen examples of this in the past whether it's stories that come out about some recruiting things, or whether it's the way he talks to people, um, that, that, that's not uncommon, right? And there were some stories that go back to when he was with the 49ers that I think that, that, that would testify to that. So that, didn't, that was the part of it that rang the truest to me, that he, he said it. it we, we all know those people, right? People that sometimes they're making a good point. They just don't know how to make it at the right time or in the right way. And I think that might be the, a little bit the case here with Jim Harbaugh.
0: And what Sean also is emphasizing, I think, in that column is like what Harbaugh should be doing to motivate his players, right? That if Ryan Day, let's say that you could spin it, did Ryan Day make a mistake? Or as our texter said, did Ryan Day make a mistake? I mean, that's up to Jim Harbaugh, honestly, right? I'm not sure that Jim Harbaugh made a mistake, but Ryan Day decided that he did. Right. So now Jim Harbaugh, did Ryan Day make a mistake by doing that? It's up to Jim Harbaugh to decide that Ryan Day made a mistake and then use that to his advantage. So we all make money by you guys reading our stories. I just want to give this Michigan football's Jim Harbaugh snitched on Ryan day. Good for him. That's the headline at freep.com. Sean Windsor, I would encourage you to go read that just to read a different perspective on it. So we want to make sure we give Sean credit for that.
1: The analogy I would make to kind of finish up your point is that um, there's a poker saying that you in the lo- you don't win money in the long run by winning pots. You win money in the long run by making the right decision. So just because you have the best hand isn't necessarily how you always win in poker. It's about making the right decision, whether you know bluffing at the right times, folding at the right times, that thing. And this is a case where maybe if Jim Harbaugh, Jim Harbaugh might've had the right cards, but I don't think he made the right decision necessarily in how he played them.
0: There's a saying that I like to use in poker, which is, I'm all in with pocket threes. Does that make you want to play with me so you can take all my money?
1: I'm going to send you multiple invitations as soon as we get off this podcast.
0: My life is going all in with
1: pocket threes,
0: honestly. Buckeye talk. All in with pocket threes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I didn't say I went in with two, two, six offsuit. What's, isn't that the worst hand? Two, seven. Two seven offsuit, actually. Oh, because I can make a straight with two six. Two seven offsuit. I, I'm smart enough to not go all in with that. I just might have a crippling um, lack of self awareness and a and a un un uh, you know lack of. Uh, there's no reason to have the belief in myself that I have with pocket threes, and that's why I, I'm the man I am today. We'll be back. I don't think we're going to do the extra podcast Saturday. We're actually going to save it for next week. At the moment, we believe Nathan will talk to players again on Tuesday.
1: I tried to clarify that today and then didn't get an answer, but I, that's what they led us to believe was that it would be Tuesday. I think there may be some things about their own schedule that are a little bit fluid right now. So, Well, honestly,
0: because their schedule changed Thursday.
1: Exactly, right. They They, they went into Wednesday thinking that they were starting practice maybe maybe on Friday. And then all of a sudden it was like, no tomorrow.
0: So if they thought, well, we'll practice Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, off Tuesday, or whatever they thought, well, now they have to rejigger everything. So yes. it's like, well, are we off Monday or are we off Tuesday or are we off Wednesday or whatever? So we'll see. I think at the moment, the plan for the podcast is this. Monday, mark it down Monday. Tuesday, the interview that I've been promising This film breakdown of Ohio State's single high-safety look and why they may or may not stick with it this year and the reasons behind it and the pluses and minuses of that. Again, that interview is done. It's in the house. But I'm not going to drop it Saturday because I think we could use it Tuesday because we're not going to talk to anybody before then. What do we think – and I'm putting you on the spot because we haven't decided. What do we think Market Down Monday is, Nathan?
1: Well, we haven't gone back through – since the schedule was announced, we haven't gone back through and done like our full season – predictions both for ohio state and kind of the divisions and stuff like that we didn't reveal our personal votes so i was thinking that might be a good thing for this market down monday to kind of um do a predictive thing but really kind of just rehash what's already out there in case we learn in the next 10 days that the thing we're predicting doesn't exist again and then we've still got some other bigger pictures things out there in terms of um the national championship and, and, and the playoffs and those sorts of things. So um, that'll be out there. I'll also be, I think, probably releasing my AP vote. Um, I mean, it's due on Monday for my preseason top 25. So I may be releasing that early in the week um, or, or maybe waiting until the ballot is not supposed to come out for until a week after that, the 17th. So it, I may I'm going to wait a little bit, but I'll be working on that this weekend. And um, so people can look forward to that too. Got some decisions to make there.
0: But you're going to, the tech subscribers will get
1: it early. The
0: Tech, Correct. Will get your tech subscribers
1: early. can have it maybe as soon as I do it this weekend. Um, what if you just let a tech subscriber do it? Would you be open to that? I would not. Okay. Because I've seen how bad people who are supposedly unbiased are at doing it, and I don't think giving it to an Ohio State fan would be in the uh, the spirit of what we're trying to do here.
0: If they were expecting a ballot from Nathan Baird and suddenly at AP headquarters a ballot showed up from Smokey Mango, you don't think that would go over very well?
1: Yeah, uh, we'd have Ohio State number one, and then like 25, and then a big gap, and then like 123 ah! Michigan. Right, right. Yeah, I added, I added a, a number 130 in there just for the Wolverines. Okay, so
0: that's the plan. Market down Monday. But I do think so. If we did that for market down Monday, it would be like our predicted record for Ohio State. And then maybe like if they do lose a game in the regular season, who would it be against or something like that?
1: We could go yeah, and
0: maybe we, ask the texters we, that.
1: And we can also talk about how we would change the way we voted based on what we've learned in the past week, frankly.
0: Yeah. No, I think, I think, uh, yeah. Well, you, you, you can only vote on the information that you have at the moment. So we yeah. we cast our ballots in the cleveland.com big 10 preseason poll. But since then three of the five best players in the big 10 have
1: bailed. So and this year we were just caught in the middle in a way that has never really happened. So you just, you roll with it and uh, we'll adjust.
0: That's the plan. We appreciate you guys listening to Buckeye talk. Steven will be back soon. Steven will be back soon and we will welcome him back. But for now, on behalf of Nathan, I'm Doug. And that, was Buckeye Talk.